Well, we're going to go ahead and continue on the series of who we are. So uh, last week, Joseph talked about that, that we are, are people that walk by faith. And today I want to talk about that here at Living Hope Family Church, the culture of who we are, the DNA of who we are, is we are worshipers. Worship is an integral part of a believer's life. And all throughout the Bible, you're going to see worship is a, is a way of life. It's not just a, a small block on Sunday morning, but it's actually a, a way of life. It's how we live our lives, and it's about honoring God in everything that we do. Worship is, is a word that's actually just a combination of a couple of old words that was just worth and ship. And basically, it was just to bestow worth on something. That was the whole idea of worship, is we are bestowing worth on something. When we worship God, what we're doing is telling God that we think that He's valuable, that we want to honor Him, and we want to glorify Him. And the truth is, is that worship can be expressed in so many different ways. A lot of times when we say the word worship, you know, we see the, the people standing in front of, of, of a, a, a worship team, and they're just singing. But worship can be expressed in so many other ways. Did you know that when you're acting obediently to God, you're actually honoring, you're, you're worshiping God? That's why Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Also, when we work to our best, when you're at work and you're just doing an amazing job because you're working unto God and not unto man, that is a form of worship as well. We worship God in our giving, and we say, God, that you are worth uh, the stuff that we have, and we give into his kingdom. That, that's one of the ways that we continue to worship. That's why the scripture says that God loves cheerful givers, because we don't give out of obligation or a sense of duty. We give out of a, out of a sense of awe and just wonder, and, and thank you, God, for what you've done, all the things that you've done in our lives. Obviously, we do worship with singing. That's probably the most common way most people think about when we, when we talk about worship because, you know, that's a, this is a, the worship service and we're going to do worship this morning. You hear that word used all the time to describe the singing. But you know that shouting can be used as a form of worship. Every now and then people hear people yell out the name of Jesus or the shout. That's a type of worship. Whistling is a type of worship. You'll see in the scripture where they talk about that they were whistling to the Lord. They used instruments. And then there's the, the lifting of hands that nobody wants to do because somebody might see them. Kneeling, lowering your eyes, raising your eyes. These are all forms of worship that we can partake in. And sometimes worship is really quiet and reflective. And sometimes it can be expressive. And I think most of us, though, we get wrapped up in being afraid of being expressive. I was looking out this morning during the worship, and I saw many people with their hands raised. And then I saw some people doing the, the look around like, you know, because we're afraid. We're afraid that it's, you know, like, man, if I lift my hand up and just give it to God, like the, the records creature, everyone's just going to point and stare at me. But the truth is, is worship is not about us. It's about honoring Him. And here at Living Hope Family Church, we are a people that believe in expressive worship. Singing, shouting, lifting of hands, whistling, all those things are acceptable. I saw one of the young girls this morning dancing before the Lord this morning. It was beautiful. That was how she wanted to worship. And she didn't care what any of you guys thought. Also, when it does come to worship as part of the worship team, we have done a lot of things to try to get out of the way to let people worship. Let them worship freely and not be distracted by us. 
I don't know if you've noticed, but the sound has been getting a lot better lately. We've been adjusting the sound, trying to make it where it's, where it's, it's, it's a way to help lead you into worship, but not distract you out of worship. We've brought in additional singers. We had Tyler up here for the first time today. She did an amazing job. We're bringing in more singers. We want people to get involved in worship and be a part of it. We're bringing in <clears throat> extra instruments via background tracks just so the, the sound sounds more uh, uh, filled out. And then when I make a mistake on the piano, it's not quite as distracting because somebody's getting it right somewhere. Lord knows I make plenty of mistakes on the piano. Thank you for having grace and patience with me. We've done stuff like limited the amount of songs that we sing. We don't do, you know, we don't have a roster of 50 or 60 songs anymore. We have a much smaller one because we want to make sure that when we're, when you guys are singing out there, that you're not spending so much time staring at the words, but instead you're spending more time learning the songs and remembering the words and you're able to sing along with them without actually having to think about it. We've gone ahead and, and, and we're hoping that, that that'll just give you an opportunity to just close your eyes and sing and worship. We're trying to spend more time having those little areas of free worship in the song so you can sing your own song to God. You don't have to sing along, but you can just worship yourself. And one of the things that we really try to do and we, we talk about is we're not trying to create an atmosphere of a concert. Sunday morning is not supposed to be Christian karaoke. It's not supposed to be a concert. It's a time... and. What we're trying to create is an atmosphere where you can just focus on God and not focus on us. We don't want to get in the way of you guys worshiping. And as leaders of this church in everything that we do and the entire way we live our lives and how we walk out our lives, we are trying to be a model of worship. We're trying to be a model of what it looks like to honor God in all that we do. So let's go ahead and get started. In Mark chapter 7, verses 6 through 7. Sorry, it doesn't have the, on that um, projector there, if you go to the slide, you'll see a, uh, if you hit edit, I'm going to try to make, otherwise you don't know where I'm at. And you see on the slide where it says show the verse on all slides? All right, forget it. You guys are just going to have to listen to me. You guys are going to have to pay attention. Mark chapter 7, verses 6 through 7. It says, you found it? there we go. You're going to have to do that on every slide as it pops up. And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. One of the things that I want you to know as a culture and who we are is, is we're not looking for hollow worshipers. We're not trying to participate in hollow worship. See, one of the things that the Jews had going on right here is that they weren't really worshiping. They were putting on a show, but they were just doing whatever they wanted. It says that their people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And I think that Christians, we can get caught up in that as well. We come for the show. We come for the concert. We come for the music. You know, we go, we've gone to some really big conferences, and the worship is awesome, but you know, they have the lights turned down, and the disco balls rolling, and the, the lights flashing, and the smoke, and it's awesome. But you can get caught up in just going to the show instead of worshiping God. You can honor God with your lips, but your heart can be far from them. And what they were doing is they were putting on a show, 
and they were doing whatever they want. It says, in vain they are worshiping you, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Basically, they were, they were teaching what men wanted to and ignoring the doctrines of God. They were treating the doctrines of men as equal to the doctrines of God. And that's just really not a good place, a place that we want to be in. If you actually read verse 7 in the Message Bible, this is what it says. It says, they act like they are worshiping me, but they don't mean it. They just use me as a cover for teaching whatever suits their fancy. I don't know about you guys, but this is not something that I want said of me. A hypocrite is one who judges undercover. They do things undercover. They say one thing on the surface, but do another thing behind the scenes. And to be something outwardly, and even required or expected of others, but to do something completely different inwardly, it's not what I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to worship with just my lips. I want to be here. And when it's time to worship on a Sunday morning, I just want to give God my all, close my eyes. That's why sometimes I do mess up. I, I close my eyes and forget where I'm at. Next thing you know, I'm playing something that's not even in the right key. That's why I got the background track to cover up for me. That was one of the nice things when I played for the Tucson church before we moved out here. There were so many of us that played. If somebody messed up, you couldn't really hear it that bad. So, you know, other people covering up for my poor skills. But the reality is, is that worship is even more than just singing songs. It's an attitude that we have in our heart. You know, we need to be able to worship even when we don't. Anybody ever felt like not worshiping? Anybody ever been in a place where the last thing that they want to do is worship God? Sometimes you've got to make a stand and worship God anyway. There are times that I don't want to worship. There are times, don't tell anybody, but there's times I don't even want to come to church on Sunday. But I do it because God is worth it to me. I'm going to overcome any silliness going on in my head, the poor attitude that I have, and I'm just going to give God everything that I, that I can and everything that I have, regardless of how I'm feeling inside. Because the truth is, your feelings will lie to you if you didn't know that. So we worship even when we don't feel like it. And the reality is, is that there is real breakthrough in true worship, when you will just surrender and get everything, give everything to God. I've seen people get miraculously healed in the middle of a worship service because they just gave it to God. They stopped fighting and fussing but put their eyes on Him. I've seen relationships, the bitterness and hardness of heart and unforgiveness just melt away because people put their eyes on God and they finally had an opportunity for healing because there is real breakthrough in true worship. But the sad thing is, is that we're an entertainment-oriented people in this society. We're always looking for something to keep us occupied. And I'm just as guilty of that as anybody else. The only reason I can go to a hospital waiting room now is because they made cell phones. Boy, if I, I would go insane in a waiting room if I didn't have something to occupy my mind. But the thing is, is we've become as a society, this, we have to be entertained and occupied by something all the times, so and we can't just sit and be still for God. This is a stat that I like to bring up every time we talk about this. But there was a survey that was done that says three out of five churchgoers said music was one of their prime considerations for selecting a place of worship. Even in this church, when we first started and we didn't have anybody, we didn't have anything, we were just doing the best we could with a guitar and, and really it's just me and Monique up there. I've had people not come back because they didn't like our worship. It's like the, you kind of might be missing the point. Worship is an internal thing. It's something that you do. It's not something that we do for you up here. It's an attitude of heart that you have. Now, we do want to make sure that we are doing the right things up here. We want to make it easy for people 
to enter into an attitude of worship. We don't want to be a distraction. We don't want to get in the way. But ultimately, it's choices that we all have to make to just choose to worship God. We have to remember, instead of being entertainment-oriented, remember that, that we are a people that, are, that worship is to honor God. That's the whole purpose of it, is to bring honor and glory to Him. My father-in-law tells the story of the time that he bought his mom this is mom, right? When he got, bought his mom a Christmas gift. And you'll never guess what he got her. How, how old was he at the time? Do you remember? He was a young boy. A long time ago. And uh, <clears throat> he bought her a football for Christmas. And as you would expect, mom said, ah, oh, thanks. And she gave it to him. See, he had forgot the purpose of the gift. And sometimes we do that. The purpose of of, of giving gifts is actually to honor those who are receiving it, not to honor yourself. Not to, he forgot what the purpose of giving a gift is. The motion was correct, but the intent was wrong. I remember when we're worshiping God, it's not about the motions. I hate being stuck in the motions, and I find myself in it more often than I'd care to admit, but I always try to figure out what's going on and put my eyes back on Him because we should be participants in worship and not observers. Amen? Can you go to the next slide for me, please? You probably have to go back up to preview. In the top of the bar. There we go. In Exodus 20, 4 through 5. Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 through 5. It says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the inequity of the fathers on the children, the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. You know that we have to be careful of where our worship is directed as well. There are so many things that we can place in front of God. Work. Sometimes, for many of us, work becomes the number one focus in our life. Or making sure we get the next episode of American Idol or The Walking Dead in. That becomes our primary focus. We can get Games and sports and even our spouses and our children can take priority over God. We still have a show, although it's, it's just not doing well anymore, but we have a show that's actually called American Idol. Does anybody get the how disastrous that is? I mean, we are, we are telling them that these people are we're, we're prepping up to be our idols, something that we place in front of everybody else. But even more so, probably more than we put anything else in front of God, we put ourselves in front of God. We worship ourselves and our own abilities, and we forget that God is the one who gave us those abilities. I was just, somebody just put a fa- uh, posting on Facebook yesterday, and it said something along the lines of, you guys say that God has gifted me with the ability to art. He says, but he says something about, forget that. It's because I picked up a crown when I was four, and for the next 20 years, I never put it down. And that's why I learned to draw. It's not a gift from God. And I'm like, how naive can you be to think that somehow your ability to do all that stuff was based on on just coming out of thin air? 
Now, there are many things that we can learn, but God is the one who has given us the ability to do all of these things. Newsflash, God made us. Anytime that something that is made can do something, it's because the Maker enabled that. When you have a pot that the potter makes and you put stuff into it, it's not the, pot, it's not the pot's own inabilities that allow it to hold stuff. It's because that's how the potter made the pot was to hold stuff. There's different designs and different plans. The truth is that everything that we do, everything that we're gifted at, everything that we're good at, God has given us the ability to do those things. God had a plan for you to be able to do those things. And sure, you have a responsibility as well. It takes hard work to get good at something. It takes tons of hours and practice. But it was God who gave you that ability in the first place to do any of those things. But it's so easy to get caught up and know it's not God, it's just me. Because, And I know this all too well because God has gifted me in a lot of areas in my life. I'm good at a lot of things. And there was a time in my life I thought it was me. I'm just good at everything. I'm, I'm, I mean, the only thing I'm not good at is keeping weight off. But I was good, well, in basketball, apparently. <laughs> but there are a lot of things I'm good at. And uh, I remember in my life, and I, like the ability to earn money and take care of my family and do all these things, I thought it was all me. And I didn't honor God because I could do everything. What did I need God for? I could just take care of it myself. And one day... God said, all right, I'll give you a shot. And you can ask my wife, my world fell down around me. We, I was having job troubles all of a sudden. We ended up filing for bankruptcy. Michelle almost left me. My world, because I figured I could do it myself. And it wasn't until we both put our eyes back on Jesus that everything came back around. And all of a sudden, Everything that I put in my hand to, I was finding favor again because I was honoring God and not myself. The truth is, it's so easy to honor something else besides God. It's so easy to get caught up in that trap. And if you ever find yourself in that, remind yourself where this stuff comes from. God is the one that, that gives us everything. We also put stuff in front of God. Anybody ever put stuff in front of God? Do you remember when, and, and really like it can even be Christian stuff. Like it's easy to put Christian stuff. You can put music. You can put uh, your ministry in front of God when it becomes about the ministry instead of about honoring God, the purpose of You can put, do you remember when, when Mary was sitting down and honoring and, and, and sitting with Jesus and Martha got all upset? And she, she starts complaining about her sister Mary because she's not helping out with the chores. And Jesus said, no, leave her alone. She's, she's here for the best part. She knows that I won't be around forever. And we can, we can fall prey to that stuff as well. We can, we can put other stuff in front of God, but we have to realize that Jesus is our first love. Luke 14.26 says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life cannot be my disciple. Anybody ever read that and said, that seems kind of harsh, Jesus? Seems a little bit unfair. I have to hate my own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters and even my own life if I want to be your disciple? And what Jesus doesn't mean is that you have to, to actually hate them, but your love for your, your spouse in comparison to your love to Jesus should almost appear as hate. 
your love for your, your kids in comparison to your love for Jesus would almost, to someone from the outside looking in, they should be so disparate that it would almost appear as hate. What he's saying is that he needs to be the priority in our lives. He needs to be the number one. And this seems super harsh, and it might even seem a little crazy, especially as parents, because we think about, why would, I wanna, why would I think of my spouse that way? What, my kids, that seems pretty harsh. But the reality is, is that someone said this the other day that I thought was so smart, and they, they, I realized that I, 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 I connect with a lot of people on Facebook. And you guys might think I'm on Facebook all the time. I'm not really. But this is what they said. They said, I'm going to put Jesus first in my life, because if Jesus is first then I'm going to have a strong marriage. And then I'm going to put my spouse before my kids. Because if I don't have a strong marriage, then my kid's life is not going to be good. There is an order to the priority of how we, we put stuff in our lives. And it should be Jesus, your spouse, and then your kids. And some people are acrylic, think that's, that's bonkers. Put my kids after my spouse. Well, if you can't keep your marriage together, your kids are going to have a, a much worse time. We have so many kids that have divorced parents. And they're dealing with so much. And, it's, and if you're in that situation, you move forward. You move on with it. And you do the best you can for your kids. There's nothing that you can do about it. But except for do the best you can for your kids. But the reality is if you take an objective look, even in our own life, and my, my, my wife was married before, and he was abusive and they got divorced. And she left for the right reasons, but we still see the problems that it has put in our kids. Your marriage has to stay strong. And the only way to keep your marriage strong is to put Jesus first. And I know that firsthand in my own life as well because it wasn't until Michelle and I did that that our, that our marriage became had any kind of strength to it. It almost fell apart. We always have to put God first and honor Him in everything that we do. Let's go to the next one. In Romans 12.1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. You know, our bodies are part of glorifying God. Everything that we do should be, everything that we do with our bodies should be used to honor God. And it's been this way since the very beginning. This is not something that's been brand new. Because the truth is, is that we're actually made for His pleasure. This is what it says in Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. And the truth is, if you think about it, this is how we show worth to so many things. Did you know that you can tell if somebody's being genuine with you by the way that they use their bodies while they're communicating to you? They've done studies that say that if you're standing up and talking to somebody, if, 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 if me and John were talking and I'm standing to him like this, then we can have an open conversation. It means I'm showing with my body that I'm, I'm engaged and I'm intent. But if we're still talking, but I turn my body like this and I'm turning sideways, subconsciously with our bodies, we're telling him that we're not committed. We're wanting to move away. And there's so many other things that we do with our body. If you're talking to somebody with your arms crossed, it's putting up a, a, a barrier in front of you. It's, it's, it's uh, having your arms down to your side, and we'll actually talk about this more in worship, or having your arms up is, a, is an indication of vulnerability and trust. 
It's something to think about actually when you're talking, because sometimes we don't do it even on purpose. We're talking to somebody and we'll, we'll throw our hands up and cross our arms. And you have to understand the, you're actually telling them that, that you're trying to be standoff to protect yourself from them. And even animals express themselves with, your, with their bodies. My dog Bruno, when he gets excited, he'll get that tail going back and forth. But it's not just the tail. You know, it's when like his whole body starts flapping back and forth. And you're like, how are you even standing up anymore? Because they, they're, with their bodies, they're showing us how excited they are. The truth is, is that, that we express ourselves in so many ways with our body. And we should express ourselves to God with our bodies as well. And when someone is super reserved and super monotone, it's almost unnatural. You guys ever been to a gathering, a social gathering, where there's a bunch of people, a work party or something? but nobody's talking, everyone's just standing up stiff, arms crossed, not really looking at each other. That is just uncomfortable. It is, just to have someone staring and not doing it, it's uncomfortable. Don't, you don't believe me? Watch this. <laughs> See, he had to protect himself from me. You, you become uncomfortable when those say we, we communicate with one another with our bodies. And the truth is, is we should express our love and adoration to God with our bodies as well. The same is true when we worship God. Uh, the next one is Philippians 1.20. And it says, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with a full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. These are powerful words. He says, I will not be ashamed. You know, many of us hold back. I think it's one of the greatest reasons that we hold back is because we start to becoming and feel ashamed. We worry about what people are going to think about us. And Paul here, as he wrote to the Philippian church, he says, he says it's my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but with full courage, now always with Christ, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. It's so easy to get ashamed. I see it a lot when people bring visitors, especially people that have, have worshipped freely before. And you really see this with the youth quite often. And they'll come, and, and when it's all the people they know, they're worshiping, they're jumping around, their arms are raised, they're, they're just worshiping God, but they bring a friend, and the next thing you know, the whole worship service, they're just standing there like this. Because heaven forbid, their friend would see that they love God. But the interesting thing is, is that even though they're trying to not embarrass themselves, they're trying to, to make sure that they look cool in front of their friends, they're trying to do all these things. The reality is, is that your friends are just looking for you to be genuine. You know, if you say you love God, they're, look, they're watching you to see, do you really do what you say that you do? Do you really love them like that you say that you do? Or is, is it just a show that you're putting on? Is it just lip service? You know, the, the look on their face sometimes is like, man, I hope they don't think we go to a church full of weird people. But we weren't until you guys showed up. See, that's the thing about it is, who cares what other people think? Just worship, honor God with what you have. And the truth is, let your friends see that you're genuine. If you want to make an impact in their life, let them see that you're genuine. Because if you're fake, if you're hypocritical, if you're not genuine, you're never going to make an impact at all. 
Don't be afraid to worship. Don't be afraid to lift up your hands. Don't be afraid to clap, to sing in tongues, to shout, to yell, to give thanks to God even in your own words. Sing a new song unto Him. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Psalm 134.2 says, Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. The Bible actually encourages you all throughout. You can read it over and over. It encourages you to lift your hands, to shout, to scream, to yell, to whistle, to honor God with everything that you have. I want to encourage you, church, when we're in worship in the morning, uh, on Sunday mornings, anytime we're coming together in worship, don't be afraid to lift your hands. And if you're not sure how to do it, I got you covered. I got an instructional video right here. Praise God. So now you guys have been informed. There's, uh, you know, it's funny, we make jokes about it, but people do. They get embarrassed about lifting their hands and raising their hands. And some people, some of you, if you've never seen it before, and even some of us that do it don't even realize what they're doing. The, the, the things with, with raising your hands to me and what it says to me is, is it's, it's an attitude of vulnerability and honor and trust to God. And I see it, and you see it in life in a bunch of different ways, right? If somebody's going to, to, to rob a bank, and they stick a gun at somebody, what do they tell them to do? Put your hands up, right? Why do they do that? Because when your hands are up, you're, there's, you're vulnerable. You can see your hands. You can't do anything crazy. You're, you're, the most vulnerable parts of your body are wide open. It's a sign of vulnerability. Another thing when I look at it, I think about it, is... It's also just an attitude of surrender to God as well. You're, you're surrendering. And giving him, you're, you're, you have your, your arms open and you're completely trusting and vulnerable so you can receive what He has for you. And you also see it with little kids when, when, when you see Arrow run around and he walks up to John. And the reason why John almost always gets racked is because Arrow's hands are up as he runs towards them. And they're like that right height to just Put a man on his knees. But that's why they do it. Their hands are up. They're, they're, they're asking to be picked up, to be wrapped up. And that's kind of when you're lifting your hands, those are the things that you're doing. You're surrendering to God. You're asking God to pick you up. You're receiving what He has for you. And that's why we do it in worship. That's why we lift our hands to Him. And I would encourage you to just start small next time. Pick up the TV. And work your way up towards it. But the truth is, is let's just be expressive in our worship towards God. Let's tell Him with our bodies how to do it. Let's also not be afraid to clap. Now, I know that in this church, we have some clapping challenges. We, we have some, you know, we got the drums now. We got a click track in His ear, so we stay on time. So we're doing a lot better than we used to. You guys should have saw it before the drums. It was rough. But don't be afraid to clap for the Lord to, to get a little bit loud. My wife, she actually somebody has to clap on beat so she can watch and stay on beat. If you let her do it on her own, it's everywhere. But yeah, don't be afraid to clap. If you walk in and we're getting ready to start worshiping, it's a fast song and nobody else is clapping, that doesn't mean you shouldn't clap. That means you should start clapping so other people will join in. And it's interesting like, I always have to wait for Joseph to come in because the song's going, and if he doesn't start the clapping, it's like nobody wants to clap. Like, we're crying out loud, put your hands together, people. This is Jesus we're talking about. 
shout and sing loudly as well. One of the things I love about Tony is she doesn't care what any of you all think. She's going to worship God however she wants to worship. And she shouts to the Lord and she sings with all her heart. I love that about her. You guys should, should look up to her for that and try to imitate that. Because that's an amazing quality that she has as she worships God with all of her heart. And nobody cares if you can sing. God certainly doesn't care if you can sing. He cares about your heart. And if you can't sing, that's why the Bible calls it a sacrifice of praise. Not for you, for the rest of us. (laughs) But just worship with everything that you have. And even though I don't watch sports much right now, I know some of you guys in this room do. And I tell you what, if you're on a a game day and something good happens, ain't nobody got a problem jumping up and down and screaming and yelling for their team. Why is everybody so afraid to do that for God? I guarantee you that God is worth more than your favorite team. It's not like I'm asking you to show up and body paint. Just lift your hands up. Actually, I'm discouraging you from showing up and body paint, to be clear. Or rather that. Anybody shows, up in, anybody shows up in body paint, then I'll show up in body paint. You don't want to see that. We almost played shirts and skins yesterday, but we got a little nervous. So, First Timothy 2.8, it says, I desire that men in every place should pray lifting up holy hands without anger or quarreling. Following, quarreling. The truth is, is that lifting our hands is a biblical thing. And all of these, these examples that we talked about, shouting, dancing, lifting your hands, these are all ways that we can mobilize our body in expressive worship to the Lord. And it's the practical side. Saying, I love you to my wife, may be better than just thinking it. If all you ever do is think it, guys, say it. So one lady's like, my wife never tells me he loves me. He's like, I told you 20 years ago. It hasn't changed. But we want to hear it. But what's more emotionally engaging for both of you is if you give him a hug or a kiss while you're telling him that you love him. There's more to it. It's more engaging. It means more. And likewise, the next step in worship with our God is to be expressive towards him, to sing to him. And if this is all new to you, the simplest way to do that is to lift your hands. I promise nobody's going to stop and stare. Like we said, Tim Hawkins said it best. That started, we just started here. The TV, the fish. And you guys, I know you've all seen somebody washing the windows. Everyone's, that's why everyone's laughing. We've all seen it. Like, man, he nailed it. But don't be afraid to honor God with your body. I'm not watching that again. Psalm 33.1 says, Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Whatever we do, church, we need to do it passionately. Because I believe the Lord is pleased when we are worshiping intensely. Because love needs to be expressed. That's how we know that people love us. is Not because they say it, but because of how they express it towards, towards us. Love has to be expressed often and it has to be expressed with feeling. 
Revelations 3, 15 through 16 says, I know your works, you're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I would spit you out of my mouth. God's not looking for lukewarm Christians. He's looking for people that are on fire for him. And it's befitting for us. Befitting. Does praise befit the upright? Befitting is just a fancy word for appropriate. Praise is appropriate for those who have been touched by God. Amen? And we're going to end here in Revelations 5, 11-13. It says, Then I looked and heard around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. I want you to know that it's not just the culture of Living Hope Family Church to worship. It's the culture of heaven. If you don't like doing it now, you're going to be in a rude awakening once you make it to heaven because we are going to be worshiping God. I guess the big difference is is you're going to finally see with unveiled eyes who you really are and you're going to get it and you're going to worship freely. But I want you to know that Jesus asked us this once. He said, pray that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You guys remember? Pray that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the Lord's will in heaven. Let's pray that this is what we see here on earth. Worshiping. Unashamed. Unabashed. Giving it all that we got. Forgetting what other people think about us. Instead, keeping our eyes focused firmly on Jesus. This is who we are, church. If you're born again, this is who you are. You can say that's not who I am. That's, the truth is, is that, that as soon as you had that new spirit placed inside of you, these qualities were placed inside you, are able to worship and give God everything that you have. And the truth is, this is what it says in Psalm 22.3, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. I've often thought about that verse. What does it mean to be enthroned on the praises? What, is, what does it mean when, God, when he says that, that, that God is holy, enthroned in our praise? Other scriptures say that he inhabits the praise of his people. But I actually like the translation, enthroned better. Because how do you identify a king? They sit in their throne, right? When we praise, when we worship God, we are putting Him in the place that He rightly deserves to be. When it says that He is enthroned by our praises, that means that we are seeing Him sitting on His throne as the Lord of our life, as our Savior. It means that we are seeing Him as He actually is. And it's His praise and His worship they're His, and, and He is deserving of them. And when we praise and we worship, we are placing God in our life where He's supposed to be, that is at the head, that is in His throne, our King, our Lord, and our Savior. Amen? So let's be a church that worships freely. Put your hands up in the air, shout, whistle. Get over yourself, basically. Amen? All right, praise God.